Dr. Zach Williams and Flat Creek Baptist Church as we dive deeper into God's Word in this podcast titled New Horizons. I want you to turn your Bible to the book of Acts. You know, we are coming uh, to the time uh, of year where we are... Uh, you know, in the Thanksgiving and Christmas season. And so at this time of the year, we always gather together with our families. Now, I understand that we're living in the year of COVID and that many uh, different decrees are being handed down and mandates that tell us not to meet with our families and not to meet in large groups and all these different things. But but regardless of 2020, which let's hope is an aberration in uh, in you know uh, history, um, a little asterisk will go beside it as like the worst year ever. Uh, let's just remember that for majority of our lives, this is the time where we spend with family. Uh, I, I come from a very large family back in South Carolina, and uh, we've got a lot of us that, that just uh, come and sit around the table together and just love on each other. And I'm so thankful for my earthly family. So thankful, um, first of all, for my wife and my children. I love them so much. So thankful for my parents thankful for my brother and his wife and their children. I'm thankful for my grandparents. I'm thankful for my wife's grandparents. I'm thankful for my in-laws. I'm thankful for all my cousins. Uh, You know, just a really, it's just good to be a part of a family, isn't it? And just have that connection, that close connection with people. I grew up in York, South Carolina, just about three or four hours from Gainesville, Georgia. And all of my family, we lived within just a few miles of each other. And so we grew up, all of my cousins, there were 10 of us, we grew up like brothers and sisters. I mean, we were always together always playing together, always getting in trouble together, riding our bikes and doing all these different things. And and today, all of my cousins, I, I can honestly say I do have one earthly brother, one earthly sibling, but I feel like all my cousins are my brothers and sisters. As a matter of fact, when I address them to my kids, I call them uncle and aunt. I'll say your uncle Josh or your uncle Jonathan or your aunt Julie, even though it's actually their cousin. It's just that we're that close with each other. Now, I say these things not just to talk about my family, but I say these things because, you know, as we come to this time of the year and we think about our family, um, isn't isn't it good to be a part of the family of God? We, we've talked about this extensively before in the, the New Horizons podcast about being part of the family of God. And, and I just want to talk about it again today. It is so good to be a part of this family. You know, no matter where I go on earth, I can run into brothers and sisters in Christ. It's, it's like when you come to the family of God, you, you have people everywhere. And we're united by the blood of Christ. So yes, we are blood relatives. But no matter where I go, it's so cool to be able to worship and come along brothers and sisters of Christ. People who have like mind and like heart because we worship the same Savior, Jesus. Now when we talk about the family of God, I want to come to one text today in the book of Acts chapter number 9 and just show you Uh, Just the joy of being part of the family of God. Now, you know the story in Acts chapter number 9. In Acts 9, we have the story of Saul 
of Tarsus, and he's on his way to Damascus. And he's going there for the purpose of getting Christians, bringing them back in chains to Jerusalem to have them stand on trial for the reason of worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, and, so, and so Saul, on his way to Damascus, the Bible tells us that a great light shines about him. He falls to the ground. His eyes are blinded. He has this encounter with Jesus, and his life is forever changed. And then the Bible tells us that he goes to Damascus, and for the next three days, he's in a house, and he's praying, and he's waiting on someone, uh, or he's waiting to know what to do next because his eyes are blind says he doesn't eat or drink during that time. So you can imagine just kind of the weight of everything falling on Saul at this moment. He's persecuted Christ, uh, his followers, he's persecuted the name, he's done everything to stop this, but now he's been encountered by the fact that everything that he has sought to destroy is actually the truth. And he's coming to grips and terms with the fact that he has tried to stamp out the message of the gospel, which is the same gospel that has now pursued him and saved him. And he's coming to grips with the fact that his eyes are blind and how can he ever be a servant of this Christ with blind eyes? And all this stuff is just flooding through his mind. You can just imagine the weight of it all sitting on Saul of Tarsus. And the Bible tells us in Acts 9 verse 10, there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord spoke to him in a vision and said, Ananias, here I am, Lord, he said. Get up. And go to the street called Straight, to the house of Judas, and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, since he's praying there. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and placing his hands on him so that he can regain his sight. Lord Ananias answered, I have heard from many people about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem, and he has authority here from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to the Gentiles, kings and Israelites. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So here's Ananias. Okay, he's in his house, and he's praying, and he gets a word from God. I want you to go down to Judah's house, and I want you to find a man named Saul there, Saul of Tarsus. And he's praying, and in a vision he has seen you coming and laying your hands on him. Ananias says, Whoa, 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 God. You do know who this man is, right? This is the guy that's actually come here for the purpose of taking us in chains back to Jerusalem. And, you know, I'm, I'm here, I'm trying to follow Jesus, and now you're going to put me in harm's way. This makes no sense at all. And, and, and God, uh, you know, I, I know I've been asked to be a vessel for you, and, and I know I've, I've asked you to, to use me and maybe even to take me out of my comfort zone, but, but this is a little much, don't you think? And God says, God says, Ananias you got to go down there. This is my chosen instrument. This is the man who's going to take my name to kings, to nations, to Gentiles. This is the man I'm going to show how much he must suffer for my name. You go down there. You just follow me. You go down there. You lay your hands on him that he can regain his sight. And so the Bible tells us in verse 17, Ananias left and entered the house. And listen to what the Bible says. This is beautiful. Then he placed his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road you were traveling has sent me so that you can regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And at once, something like scales fell from his eyes. He regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Now, now, if you weren't paying attention, you might have missed it. What did Ananias say when he got 
to the house. He walks in the door, and there sits Saul of Tarsus, blinded eyes in a visionary state, probably weeping, praying, asking God to, to do something in this moment to forgive him and to open his eyes. And the Bible says that Ananias walks in the room and he says, Brother Saul, Brother Saul. Can I tell you how those words probably ministered to the heart of Saul of Tarsus at that moment? I, I mean, you, you know, God has, God has radically saved this man, but now God is asking this man to be a part of the church that he has persecuted. And how will those people ever receive me and accept me? And Ananias, the first Christian who ever speaks to Saul post-salvation, says to him, Brother, Brother Saul. Friends, can I tell you, when you come to the Lord Jesus Christ, you are grafted in to the family of God. You were no, lo no longer the vagabond, no longer the ragamuffin, no longer the persecutor, no longer the sinner. You are now a part of the family of God. You are a brother or sister in Christ, grafted in, pulled in, drawn in, saved by the blood of Christ and knit together with the church and with the hearts of all the saints all over the world. And this offer goes forth to any person who might receive it. It's open for you. All you have to do is come and receive the Lord Jesus Christ and become a part of the family of God. And friends, just like those earthly families that mean so much to us, uh, families that, that we go and visit this time of year and we just get together and we love on each other and we celebrate the holidays. One day, the great joy is we will all be gathered together in heaven at the marriage supper of the Lamb, feasting with Him for all eternity. And that day, we'll be joined together with the greatest family, the biggest family the world has ever known. May God's grace and glory be upon you during this holiday season. God bless.